DW Africa Link The time here in Germany is exactly 5 p.m. and you're listening to DW's Africa Link program broadcast live from Monday to Friday with a focus on stories making headlines around the world. I'm Isaac Mugabe. And my name is Josie Mahachi. A warm welcome from me too for those of you following us on our Facebook page DW Africa. Follow us and remember to share the live stream with your colleagues. We are also live on our partner stations across the continent. Berlin hosts the German Nigerian Business Forum to create business partnership between the two countries. We hear from one of the delegates. Nigeria is a lot open now to business relationship with Germany. Just like the president said that it's not business, it's no longer business as usual, that things have changed now. Also on the show, digital activists in Uganda say the president Yoweri Museveni's government is using Chinese technology to keep an eye on the opposition. They have reduced civil participation. It is easy now to curtail demonstrations. It is easy to know and track politicians. The details are coming shortly after the world news in brief. DW News. Hello, I'm Okiri Ngushinado. The head of the European Union Electoral Commission to DR Congo on Tuesday announced the deployment of 42 initial observers to the country ahead of the poll next month. Malin Bjork, a Swedish member of European Parliament, heading the mission told reporters in the capital Kinshasa that 42 observers had arrived and soon will be deployed in 17 of 26 provinces in the vast Central African nation. The Democratic Republic of Congo is scheduled to hold parliamentary and presidential elections on December 20th. President Felix Tshisekedi is running for a second term in office. Guinea's junta has ordered a probe into toppled President Alpha Conde for treason. Conde, who was ousted in September 2021, coup after more than a decade in power, has been living in exile in Turkey. The letter alleged that Conde had acquired weapons and ammunition without providing details. Conde is already being investigated for alleged corruption, assassination, torture, kidnapping and rape. The United Nations World Food Programme, WFP, has said that food aid to 1.4 million people in Chad, including newly arrived refugees fleeing violence in Sudan's Darfur region, will cease as of January because of a shortage of funds. Financial constraints and soaring humanitarian needs have already forced the WFP to suspend assistance to internally displaced people and refugees from Nigeria, Central African Republic and Cameroon from December. WFP said it requires $185 million to support people in Chad for the next six months. You are listening to DW Africa Link News from DW from Bonn, Germany. Russian President Vladimir Putin says BRICS could help reach political settlement in Gaza conflict. Putin made the remarks during a virtual BRICS summit on Tuesday. Putin further said that the most urgent task is to achieve a truly long-term and sustainable truce in the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Russia's position is consistent and non-opportunistic. We call on the united efforts of the international community aimed at de-escalation of the situation, a ceasefire and a search for a political solution to the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. And the BRICS states and the countries of the region could play a key role in this work. 
сыграть государство БРИКС и страны региона. Nigeria's President Bolatinubu is in Berlin to attend the German-Nigerian Business Forum, where he hopes to encourage German investments in his country. Nigeria is seeking to boost investment to revive its sluggish growth and deal with record debt, double-digit inflation, foreign currency shortages and thefts of crude oil, its main export. More on the forum coming up on Africa Link. And finally, the Football Association of Zambia have awarded a family in the country free tickets to all the World Cup qualifying home games. The family have become a social media sensation because of their enthusiastic pot-banging support of the national football team. For more news and information, head on over to our face to our website dw.com forward slash Africa. I am Okeri Ngoshinato. And you are listening to Africa Link, live from our studios here in Bonn, Germany. Once again, I'm Isaac Mugabe. And I'm Josie Mahachi. Remember that you can be part of the show by telling us what you think about the topics we are covering on our Facebook page, DW Africa. We also acknowledge and appreciate everyone who's tuned in through all our partner stations across the continent. Let's begin with Money Matters. As part of commitment to strengthen the bilateral relations between Germany and Nigeria, Berlin is hosting the 10th edition of the German-Nigerian Business Forum to engage businesses from the two countries about the current state of doing business as well as recent developments and prospects in both countries. Now, the conference organized by German Africa Business Association in cooperation with the German industry and commerce in Nigeria was held under the theme Creating Partnerships for a Transformative Change. Nigerian President Bola Ahmed Tinubu addressed the summit. And that's really, really very important for this meeting. The fact that the president himself mm-hmm. came all the way from Abuja to Berlin, that's a big deal for the business community. Now, DW's Ben Resso spoke to Deborah Ere a delegate from Nigeria on the summit and the significance, like I mentioned, of Bola Tinubu's presence at this year's edition of the German-Nigerian Business Forum. Take a listen. Um, it signifies commitment um, that Nigeria is a lot open now to business relationship with Germany. Just like the president said, that it's not business; it's no longer business as usual, that things have changed now. The president actually... Um, lent an open hand to Germany and um, German businesses to come into Nigeria and assured them that if they come into Nigeria to invest, they are going to get their return on investment. What is specifically changing in Nigeria to attract more German investment? I would say the the business environment is um, really changing, you know. Um, We have a a new president and a new team. And um, from what we have seen, the president is focusing on a lot of reforms. And I I am believing, I think that he has the right team um, who would also help him to implement this reform. So um, we are hopeful. And also, I believe, I mean, personally, that um, he has the right team. You can see today, he came with his um, various ministers, the Minister for Trade and Investment, which is the the most important minister for um, a program like this, investment. We are talking about investment, promotion of investment. And so the Minister of um, Trade and Invest is here today um, to talk about business, Nigerian businesses and German businesses as well. He came with the Minister of Power. If you're talking about um, Nigeria, Nigeria is very much into power energy. And so the Minister of um, Power is here today. He's also here with the Minister of um, Foreign Affairs. That's also a very important uh, 
important uh, ministry when you're talking about uh, trade relations. The Ministry of um, Foreign Affairs also matters a lot. That was Ben Risley speaking to Deborah Eregu. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. a delegate from Nigeria who's also attending that uh, German-African Business Association. Mm-hmm. I mean, Josie, this is a big deal for Nigerian businessmen who are in the country to meet, to synergize with their German counterparts. Absolutely, Isaac. I'm actually very jealous. I would have imagined more African presidents to do that, come into these European countries or in the West, right, to also meet, um, I mean, business people and market your countries, market mm-hmm. what is back at, back, back at home. We have resources, we have a lot to offer, you understand? Mm. And for President Bola Ahmed Tinubu to actually take that initiative, kudos to him. Yes, and uh, I happened to attend one of the such forums last year in Hamburg that brought together German business community and also Africa, mm. and lots of business cards were exchanged. I mean, there were all sorts of companies, especially from the energy sector, just like this particular summit, Mm -hmm. and also those from uh, communications. You know, Siemens itself Mm -hmm. had businesses to cut with Mm -hmm. Nigerian businesses, and also business business members from Ethiopia, and as well as energy. So, for me, this is a big deal for especially Nigeria, to really, really synergize with German companies. You heard her Mm -hmm. say that for German businesses, they're also willing to learn more. At the same time also, at the G20 summit, Mm -hmm. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz stressed the importance the importance of German companies engaging more in Africa, in Africa to put aside their fears and go down there, Mm -hmm. you know, and work with the business community. In, for the benefit of both countries. That is exactly what Africa needs right now. And so tell us in the comment section what you think your presidents, your leaders should be doing to also try and engage these business people in in the West. But Uganda's government, Isaac, mm. uh, another story, purchased Chinese surveillance cameras. They've, they are rather part of Huawei Safe City program. Digital activists say the government is also using the technology to keep an eye on the opposition. I know Ugandans are not happy with that. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has been a controversial topic ever since these surveillance cameras were installed on all junctions, roads, especially in the capital Kampala. Mm-hmm. Many saying that they're taking away much of their privacy. At the same time, the government saying we want to secure the, cap- the capital and also the lives of Ugandans. But here's a report to tell us more about this story. At busy highways and intersections across Kampala, there are Chinese surveillance cameras. The government purchased them for more than 100 million euros. The cameras are equipped with software that recognizes faces and scans license plates. Ugandan officials and local journalists have said that some of them are neither monitoring nor recording crimes. Members of parliament even called for a review of the cameras after they failed to capture footage of a police officer's killing. It's a claim that Yusuf Sewanyana from Uganda's police force denies. The allegation of CCTV not working, it's not true. The system is working and it's really a supportive tool to, to fighting crime. The footages, the evidence which is derived from, from the CCTV system is undisputable and it has reduced drastically on the case backlog. We have seen a reduction in the, the, the behavior, the, the people, the way they behave on the roads. We have seen a reduction 
in the bag rallies and so forth in the in the urban setting simply because of surveillance people are now more responsive the cameras are part of Huawei's safe city program designed by the Chinese telecoms company to deploy surveillance technology worldwide safe city technology reportedly helped police to monitor the cell phones of Ugandan opposition candidate Bobby wine in 2021, Wine lost against Yoweri Museveni, Uganda's president, for 35 years. This is why lawyer and digital privacy advocate Sempala Alan Kagozi says it doesn't matter if the cameras work. Their true purpose is to deter political opposition. They have reduced civil participation. It is easy now to curtail demonstrations. It is easy to know and track politicians. Chinese companies may be supplying the technology, but Uganda's government is deploying it. They are preoccupied to stay in power, so they will do anything possible. Huawei's Safe City project is global, with 52 countries participating. According to Washington, D.C.-based think tank CSIS, 71% of these agreements are in countries considered partly free or not free. Uh, that was a report by our colleague in Kampala, Julius Mugamba. Now, another story that's making headlines, Josie, mm-hmm. that we can't, of course, forget is that Israel has recalled its ambassador to South Africa for consultations, and it follows South African statements on Israel. And, well, for our listeners, it's a story we've been covering, albeit cautiously. South Africa has been critical of Israel's military operation in Gaza and has urged the ICC to issue an arrest warrant for Prime Minister, at least that's in the public domain. Mm. Now, some comments here uh, from you. I'll begin with this one from Kelvin Ofosu, who says, South Africa should first fix their poor economy, conflicts in African countries before talking about the Israel war. And Ajachuku Chelsea, South African president, calling for the arrest of Benjamin Netanyahu. Indeed, Ramaphosa is putting hands in a lion's mouth. President Ramaphosa doesn't know the root cause of his Israel-Palestinian war. This is the same Ramaphosa supporting Russia against Ukraine. And the engineer Franklin Chagozi says, South Africa seems to be taking the conflict too personal. Every other country, including Russia and China, are careful on these issues. We appreciate your comments and we shall keep it that way. Now, just about the camera situation, it's a story that really <laughs> I know very well <laughs> about cameras uh, in Uganda. Mm. Many people want their privacy. And as you had in that report, I do too. Yeah, I do too, you know. Some people think that these Chinese, you know, cameras are just spying on the opposition but we'd like you to tell us what you think about them in our comment section on our Facebook page DW Africa It's a quarter past the hour. Thanks for staying with us if you just joined us. This is DW's African program with me, Isaac Mugabe. And I'm your host, Josie Mahachi. Our Facebook page is DW Africa. Tell us what you think about the show and also share the live stream. We are also uh, live on all our partner stations across the continent. Uh, now, still to come, a sigh of relief as Malawi signs an oil pipeline deal with its neighbours. The idea of uh, transporting fuel from Mozambique to Malawi through uh, the oil pipeline is a, a welcome development. 
Mm, this show is, is has some <laughs> business deals to be cut. <laughs> I see you want to move from journalism to business. I, I see. Be, I see your life. Yes, your, your I'm warming right up. Now. I'm warming. Even my fingers are itching. I feel like touching <laughs> some money, but you know, hard and cash, mm-hmm. and not through shady oil deals. And you know, oil deals can be shady. <laughs> well, we shall come to those stories a little later. But now let's head to South Africa, where foreign nationals in the country are bracing themselves for. Tough times ahead after the cabinet directed a clampdown on hundreds of mini grocery shops owned by immigrants across the country. Now, the government took this decision following several incidents where children died or fell ill after allegedly eating snacks bought from these mini shops. As Tuso Kumalo, our correspondent, reports from Johannesburg, the clampdown could see many foreign nationals dispossessed of their shops, arrested and could be deported. Teams comprising departments of Home Affairs, Health and Labor Inspectorate officials have started raiding the mini grocery shops across the country. Loads of expired goods are being confiscated. Several shop owners have been arrested for being in the country illegally. Home Affairs Minister Aaron Mutualeti says they now have the mandate of the cabinet to act on these mini grocery shops, also known as spaza shops. All mayors are supposed to do an audit of all the special shops in their area. All the traditional leaders must have a record of all the people who came to stay in their area, if they are from other countries. Then we are going to have to demand after that audit that all the special shops must be registered. And when you register, you must show us papers, legal papers while you are here. If you don't have such papers, The operation has caused fear and panic amongst foreign shop owners, likely from Somalia, Ethiopia, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and a minority from other parts of the globe. Like many other foreign shop owners, Lucas Toller says he does not sell poisonous or expired food in his shop in Soweto. For me, it's no nothing problem because... I know why I'm stalking. I have everything to sleep. If something wrong, I'm sure to all sleep. And then I'm sure the shop where I'm buying my things. However, a number of these shops have been found with expired goods, including that of Kingpin Chan, based in Limpombo. Okay, I'm sorry. It's my mistake. It's my mistake. I, I know. But uh, I, sometimes, serious, I can't manage every each, each. Because sometimes new store come. They didn't pack me nice. They just mixing a different day, and uh, sometimes they didn't take it on time. The expired things. I wanna manage manage nicely for now. However, Dale McKinley, a political activist and coordinating committee member of Copenhagen Africa Against Xenophobia, says it's unfortunate that these incidents have attracted an umbrella blame for all foreign mini grocery shop owners before proper investigations are done. I have not yet seen, I don't know if there has been any particular forensic report yet done or analysis that's done on the food that would tell us exactly what was in those foods and what caused the deaths. But many locals want these immigrant shops owners to leave, saying their presence in the country is now a healthy hazard. Mputi Mputi from the Soweto Business Access says these foreign shop owners are suffocating local businesses. We are encouraging a closure 
of some of the spazas that belong to foreign nationals so that they can give local people an opportunity to create jobs. Meanwhile, anti-foreigner groups have also started their own campaign entering these shops and inspecting them for expired goods without government authorization. To Zokumaru with that report, Josie, let's go ahead with elsewhere in Southern Africa than South Africa. Yes, still in Southern Africa. As you said, Malawi has reached a tentative deal to start transporting fuel out of Beira port through Mozambique, Zimbabwe pipelines, in a desperate move to deal with fuel crisis that continues to affect business operations. Well, Lilongwe spends around $600 million a year on fuel imports alone, and analysts say the move will help deal with the fuel crisis. Judge Mwangu reports from Blantair. The pipeline deal will enable Malawi to pump her fuel out of Feruka in Mutare and Imsasa in Harare, Zimbabwe. It will also enable fuel importers to transport 250,000 liters per hour, while a truck takes around seven days to go back and forth to Baira to transport 35,000 liters. The rates show that at the negotiated transport rate of $20 cube to Feruka and $33 cube to Msasa, plus the road transport rate from the two locations, the landed cost will be slightly lower than the landed cost by road transportation from Baira Port to Malawi. Economist Senzuga from the Malawi University of Business and Applied Sciences, MUBAS, demands clarity as to how much the country is going to pay to Zimbabwe. The idea of uh, transporting fuel uh, from Mozambique to Malawi uh, through uh, the oil pipeline is, is a, a welcome development. Uh, over the years, uh, the cost of transporting uh, oil to Malawi through the trucks has really been increasing and uh, I think uh, it's uh, not sustainable. And uh, Malawi has to find alternative ways cheaper than the current form of transporting fuel. A delegation from the National Oil Company of Malawi, Nokma, negotiated pipeline terms and conditions with their counterparts in Zimbabwe and Mozambique before signing a tentative transportation contract. Minister of Information and Government Spokesperson Moses Konkuyu says this mode is much cheaper than hauling oil products by road all the way from Baira. But consumer rights advocate Daniel Nyirongo, while touting the move, says the country needs to generate more forex since it is key to importation of various products. He said landed costs, global oil price movements and the Malawi Kwaja exchange rates have an influential role in the build-up of pump prices. Malawians need to bear uh, the cost, knowing that uh, after the project is completed, it is going to have long-lasting uh, positive impact on Malawi's economy through uh, fast and efficient uh, import of fuel into the country. However, the challenges that now affect the fuel supply chain in the country also need some short-term solutions. And the short-term solutions require foreign exchange. Foreign exchange is the, the main challenge that affects uh, the supply of fuel in Malawi. It is not about uh, the issue of bringing fuel through uh, trucks by road. No, it is an issue to do with the 
availability of foreign exchange. The deal which follows meetings held in Zimbabwe in September 2023 involved officials from the Minister of Energy, Energy Regulatory Authority Mira, Nokima, and similar agencies in Mozambique and Zimbabwe to agree broad outlines of the deal. Of late, the Bayer report suffered climate change-related disruptions, including cyclones Idai and Freddy, that crippled port operations, thereby affecting fuel supplies in Malawi. Joji Muhango with that report. Now, Josie, let's mm-hmm. bolt quickly at the finish line with some of the comments that people have been sending in. Ralph Chisinka Metal says, it's a good idea. Next time, let's invest in projects that will assist the poor like this one because this will drastically reduce the learning cost of fuel than global trotting. Huh? Mm. And Efficient says Cameroon is currently facing the same problem. Opio Daniel says low levels of technology has faced most of African countries, including Uganda, hence mm-hmm. underdevelopment. And one last one, Kuti Kuti says, not a bad idea, it's a good idea. Wow. <laughs> okay, keep those comments coming on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Remember, this is Africa Link. Mm-hmm. And on to showbiz. Today's showbiz will need you to put on your dancing shoes compared to the Beatles with a number of fans that spread right across Africa. The Zambian band called The Witch are back with the bank and without doubt rock legends. Yes, they mesmerized audiences in the copper-rich country and its neighbors in the 1970s and early 80s. And now they are back with a new album and touring again with their unique Zamrock sound. DW's Christine Mundwa and Banaji Biresh attended their first Berlin concert and gives us more. This is Witch. The sound of Zamrock. Remade and reimagined for the 21st century. Back on the road, the band are bringing their distinctive musical style to Europe. Waile, the band's first new release in 40 years, is about the nostalgic wailing for home of the ancient African tribes that would eventually settle in Zambia, says keyboard genius Patrick Mwandela. The group's lead singer is Emmanuel Chandra, or Jaggery as he's better known. Now in his 70s, he's a man on a mission. It's a first for the German capital. Good evening, Berlin. I've been here many times in my dream. (laughs) It's the first time I'm here in Berlin sharing the energy with you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for giving us support. 50 years in the business and which is bringing their own brand of Havoc to a whole new generation. We asked fans at Berlin's Gretchen Club what makes the band so bewitching for them. Actually, uh, I do music and then my crazy friends just told me like, hey, you should, you should listen to this. You know, and I listen, I fall in love with the sound, the groove, everything. Yeah, I, I like um, get, got to know them a few days ago when I was listening on S- S- Spotify. 
And then I saw like randomly that they're in Berlin. I was like, okay, let, let's go. Let's let's check them out. I'm pretty into the whole Zamrock genre. It's, it's a good vibe. Witch's latest album, called Zango, meaning meeting place in Le Valley, was recorded at this studio back in Zambia, owned by producer Peter Musungilo, a place where the band first pioneered its unique sound decades ago, inspired by the likes of the Rolling Stones, but with a good twist of traditional Zambian culture. They went on to become household names, in part thanks to the country's president at the time, who decreed that radio stations play mostly Zambian music. And now, with some new band members in tow, Jaggery is getting to live that dream once again. When I think of the past, of things I did, feel ashamed. He's hoping that Witch can inspire a new generation of music fans for years to come. Okay, mm. Isaac, I saw you were like moving. Exactly, there. I just didn't want to stop. I mean, <laughs> all good things have to come to an end, but on a good note. Mm-hmm. And one thing I've been reading about this band it was is that it was revived in 2021 after mm-hmm. reissuing records became popular abroad because you can you could hear you know the fusion yeah it blends in well with mm. the with western music kind of it uh, just takes me to a friday i wish today was a friday but anyway it's not a friday and on that very note we have to love and leave you but not forever until tomorrow my name is josie mahachi and on behalf of the production crew led by celestine wasiki a wonderful program assistant and the rest of the africa link team we wish you a splendid day until tomorrow same time same place Bye for now. I'm Isaac Mugabe. DW Made for Mind.